0: So this little series has been called Planet Wise, and in the first week we looked at Colossians chapter 1, and we said uh, three things, a number of things, but three important things. One is that according to Colossians chapter 1, 15 onwards, you know, Christ is the source. Through him all things have been made. Secondly we said in the same passage we're taught that Christ is the sustainer. He sustains creation. He sustains all these, you know, all that is living and also that he is the savior, not just of you and me, uh, and our gospel has tended over, you know, in the church has tended to be a rather personal and private thing, but actually we, we've grown to realize that God is about redeeming the whole of his creation, and there is a wonderful future for the whole of the creation. Uh, Paul puts it this way, he says that, in Romans chapter eight, he says that the whole of creation is groaning for this time when Jesus will come and res- uh, uh, and uh, you know, uh, the sons of God will be revealed because it's looking forward to it. Then last week we looked at some of the things that have shaped our current thinking, which is a bit out of whack. Uh, we are all subjects of our culture and our society and our age. Uh, we, we, we said how, you know, whilst many benefits have been derived from the things I'm about to mention, there has been a downside too. And so the ideologies of the enlightenment, you know, things like, you know, the, the, the you know, science is the answer, uh, has, has, has been largely sort of um, compromised. Now, I don't know if you caught in the news feed this week from the BBC, but a report, a huge report has been presented to Congress, uh, to, to the US government, uh, where I think it said 32 agencies have come together, environmental agencies and the like, to agree that uh, the... Uh, the whole business of climate change is, has been hugely influenced by man's, man's activities, and this has been somewhat up to for debate in the U.S. And guess what? How that has been rece- received? It's basically been ignored. So even when we have good science, you know, it, governments can ignore it. So even when you know the facts are staring us in the face, if it doesn't suit us politically or economically, it's just ignored. So. Science is not the answer, especially when we choose to ignore good science, good research. Secondly, we talked about rationalism, you know, the age of reason, that was a part of the whole phenomena of the enlightenment. We talked about modernity, the industrial revolution, the effect that that had on the environment, the effect that that had on people. You know, we also you know, touched on the fact that um, you know, capitalism has, for a long time, has been heralded as the answer. If we all get, you know, if, 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 if entrepreneurs can be encouraged to invest, and I'm an entrepreneur. Before I did this, I was an entrepreneur. All my best friends are entrepreneurs. I love hanging out with them. It, but if the, the entrepreneurs are given the tools with which to make money and to increase our wealth, then everybody gets richer, and I'm afraid that has been discredited as a philosophy. The rich are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. There's, there's a, I think there's a series at the moment, I call, half of one called the, the super rich or something like that on, on the Beeb, is it? And it makes that very point, you know, that the, the whole idea that this was a trickle down thing, you know, if we encouraged industry and, and, and stuff, everybody would get rich. It, it doesn't take like that. The rich just take more for themselves. And so that, that whole kind of emphasis of capitalism has been uh, undermined. Uh, and then thirdly, there's been bad theology around. You know, the church has just sat back and, and not done enough hard work on the whole business of the theology and what the scriptures say. So we find, you know, too many of us and in the evangelical stream of the church in particular just saying it's all gonna burn anyway. So, you know, you know let's be kind, let's be nice, let's be good neighbors, you know, let's... let's uh, do our bit but actually to be honest with you it's all going to be wiped off the face of mat, and Jesus is going to sort of do something completely new. Uh, that, that's not what the scripture says and so we touched on these things and you may care to do your own research and you may care to listen to previous video casts uh, and uh, podcasts that I've done and indeed look at some of the resources in talking of which if you go on the website and look at the talks I've done there are some links to some you know I could the list is as long as you're on but I've, I've pointed to one or two uh, resources that I've found helpful. And, uh, and this one, I, I just was the last of these ones I just want to mention. This has actually been out for 10 years now. But uh, it's, called Jim, it's by Jim Wallace, who many of you will know, Seven Ways to Change the World. There's a whole, uh, that, it's, it's an excellent book and it deserves still to be on our shelves. And there is an excellent ch- chapter in there on Stewarding the environment, which is of course what we're talking about. So that's why I mentioned that this week. Okay, right. Today's talk is called Origins. And it serves us well from time to time to review our origins. Origin stories matter. You know, in most cultures throughout the world, in fact, I don't know of any that don't have, but I'm not an expert. But most cultures and societies have an origin story. And what we've tended to do in the West, particularly as we've sort of um, you know, explored whether or not science could be the answer, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we tended to abandon our origin stories. But as Christians who you know, have come out of the Judeo, uh, the, Jude- the Judaistic um, tradition as well, we need to remind ourselves sometimes of where we've come from. The, the beauty of origin stories is that they usually describe the relationship between God and man and the environment. God, man, and the environment. So it is pertinent to what we've been saying and what we're about to say, to revisit our own origin story, and so that's why, in spite of pressures of time, what I want to do now is to read through Genesis chapter one. Not something I've done, frankly, in a very long time. Uh, It's one of those things where you kind of think, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I'm going to read through it now, and after that I'm just going to give you 20 seconds to turn to your neighbor or somebody near to you. And I I want you to ask yourself two questions as I read through this. What does this say about God? And what does this say about mankind? Now, we're not going to get into did God create things in seven days or not. That's not the issue here. I'm really looking at the theology what does this say about God? And what does this say about mankind? There's two things, and so just listen up, and uh, you know, then we'll just turn to one another just to sort of you know, check, check things out with one another. Okay, so in the beginning it says, Genesis chapter one. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there, were, there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land, and the earth and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. And The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with the seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars, and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which with the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sky and the birds in the sky. Sorry, fish in the sky. Uh, Fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the earth and so on and so forth. I'm going to pause there. The creation story. Just turn to your neighbor now uh, and just talk for a moment about what does this tell you about God and what does this tell you about mankind. Go for it. 20 seconds. Okay, I love the detail and I love the structure of it as well. There is a kind of a sense, a connectedness in in the way it unfolds, but more than that, it speaks to me of God's creativity, and when I consider, when we consider, who God is, now who we, who we learn him to be, according to the scriptures, we find ourselves wondering. And I think it's always good to wonder when it comes to creation. Wondering, because what we find in scripture is that God is a God of love. God is love. God is all about love. And so everything he does is as an expression of love. It says he is in, in one John, it says God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. It says God is love. So everything he does from the very best of purposes, the very best of motivations. And he created creation as an expression of love. It was intentional. He, he didn't wake up one morning and go, if God wakes up, and of course he doesn't, but you know, he didn't wake up one morning and go. I don't know, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what should we do today? (sighs) I don't know, let's do a bit of creating. It didn't work out like that. It wasn't an accident. We're not an accident. Creation is not an accident. What God did in creation was that it was an expression of love. The other thing which quite frankly the text here does not do justice to is the response as God makes each portion, as he completes each day's work, and I'm not gonna spend time talking about what the day is, but as he does that, there's a little refrain that came through, do you remember? You know, God saw that, what, that which he created, and it was Thank you. Maybe you noticed that, maybe you mentioned that. That word good there is very weak. In the Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I didn't do uh, Hebrew at a theological college, but that word good is, trans, is actually the word tov, T-O-V in the Hebrew. And good is a very, very poor translation. Tov in the Hebrew really means something more like fantastic. Fantastic. Or like Richard said about me coming up on the stage. Wow. <laughs> so God created each aspect of creation, in, in the right order. And it was, created it, wow! And I can see God the Father with a you know, large, big grin over his face, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus sitting there going, wow, high five! So the creation was created, the motivation behind it was love. And in God's heart, as he created the response was wow, he was delighted in it. But what is all this for? Why did God do this creating here? Well, we see it in Psalm 148. Uh, it'll come up on the screen, but uh, by all means turn with me to Psalm 148 if, if you have it, uh, if you have a Bible with you. And let's just read Psalm 148. It says this, praise the Lord Praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights above, praise him all his angels, praise him all his heavenly hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies, let them praise the name of the Lord for at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his splendor is above all earth and the heavens. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. (laughs) So we've got a third element here now. Creation was called into being, for that's what it was, as an expression of God's love The response to this creation was, wow, this is a wonderful place. And thirdly, it was calling to give God glory. That every living thing was to praise the Lord God. This was God's plan of creation. The only trouble we have now, folks, is that as Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The trouble is that now, There's so much less to praise him. Our use and abuse of creation has destroyed so many species. Some of them have been the species themselves. We have zeroed in. And that species is no longer here. Other things, we've destroyed their environment so that they can live no longer. They've been wiped from the face of this earth. Our mindless destruction means that there are now fewer species on God's earth than at that glorious day of creation to give him glory. So for us, as God's children, made in his image, called by his name, for whom the gospel has been revealed, to whom the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus, and as we try and be like him, made in his image, loving all things, creating, and you know, the, the creative arts and all this kind of stuff, as we try and emulate and follow God, we find ourselves struggling when we start to realize what we have found ourselves in now. It's time to reconsider our true creation, our true calling, if you will. What God had in mind for us to do before the fall, before it got complicated, before we start agonizing over what God wants to do in our lives, in our situation, given who we are and the educational opportunities that we had or didn't have, what was God's plan for mankind. Well, let's go back to the scriptures. Let's begin by looking at Genesis uh, chapter one, verses 27 and 28, there's a bit of a clue there. First chapter again, we read it first time round. So 21, uh, sorry, chapter one, verses 27 to 28 says this. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That is problematic. Goes on, it says, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Problematic, subdue, rule. In some of the older versions, it talks about having dominion over the, uh, you know, the other creatures. There is a problem there. And the problem is, I don't think it means that. Just think of our, our lovely queen, Queen Elizabeth II. Just had, her, was it just had her 90th birthday this year, or am I behind? Was it the 90th? It was, wasn't it? And people were reflecting upon her, uh, her, her life and ministry. You know, it, it, amongst her many titles, she is also empress, it says, over all of her dominions, the Commonwealth, and its colonies. That's part of her title. But what she has done is she's not dominated, she's not domineered, same root. She's not dominated and she's not dominated. She has defined what her ministry, let's call it that, should be. And she calls it a life of service. And I don't know about you, whether you're a, a royalist or a not, a monarchist or not, you may be a republican. I think all of you will agree that I think in the queen we have seen someone who has put herself out To serve us and others. Anybody care to agree with me? Thank you. Half a clap as well. My point being, I actually believe that she understands what dominion means. I think she actually understands that. It does not mean to crush, to use, to abuse. You know, in the scriptures, what we see is God placing us in the garden to care for it. Let's look on to the second version of the creation. Did you know that there were two in the scriptures? Chapter two, there is a second version of creation. If you want to kind of rationalize it, uh, some have said, and I think there's some merit in this, that actually the second version of creation really more zeroes in on our role, You know, what are we called to? And so, whereas, you know, the creation of uh, mankind in the first chapter is in the same sort of poetic lilt, uh, in the second chapter, we get a bit of a zeroing in into the creation of man and God's intentions for us. So that's a good place to be. So uh, let's just look at this then, and that's uh, Genesis chapter two, verses four to nine, and then verse 15. Four to nine says this, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. Interesting. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. Verse 15, we'll flip on, time presses. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. To work it and take care of it. The Hebrew then, forgive the Hebrew lessons, but it's important in this context. The Hebrew is Abad, A-B-A-D, forgive me if I've pronounced it wrong, and Shama, S-H-A-M-A-R. Habad and Shamar. Those are translated serve and preserve. God creates this wondrous creation. The culmination of that is he makes a being in his own image. And what is his image? A God of love. A creator God who cares for his creation. He places this being, humankind, made in his own image in the garden. And what is he called to do? Of course, he's called to do the same thing that God does. To care for and preserve creation. We have conveniently, and I say conveniently because it has suited us, ignored that translation of the original Hebrew. Because we would much rather use and abuse creation. We would much rather get rich quick and forget what it might mean for our grandchildren. We have been badly taught and we have been swayed by contemporary ideologies. So we find ourselves in this place, where quite frankly, the church is playing catch up in terms of the environment, where we live and what we do. So what are we to do? Well, as one of seven and a half billion people, it's a bit overwhelming. It is overwhelming. But the truth of the matter is that the church represents two billion people on the face of this planet. Did you know that? For all the threats of Islam, it is still the largest and far and although Muslim Islam is currently outgrowing Christianity, it still has some ways to go. There are two billion people on the face of this planet who claim to be followers of Jesus. Now that's quite a number. you know, what can we do? Well, here's five little things that you might like to take on board. First of all, if you're a parent, listen to your kids. Listen to your kids. Not just because many primary schools are, or, or many schools are actually hot on the environment and they'll be bringing home various projects and interests and, uh, and, and questions. But actually, even on a simple thing, you know, I still pray... Uh, do prayer walks around Verulamian Park not so many as I used to since we've moved out into Buckinghamshire but this week I was down there I was walking around the lake and uh, I'm walking along and there's a, a, a dear mum pushing along young, woman, young lady pushing along a double buggy I mean boy she's got a handful got a double buggy there and the kids are walking along beside the river there and the, the, the little, one little one's leaning forward and going duck 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 but mum misses that. Why does she miss that? Because as she's busy walking along, she's on the phone to a friend and you know she's chatting, walking briskly along, and the child is saying, duck, duck. Now, I'm not knocking that. I, it's illustrative of our times, but I know that when Fliss and I had four kids under the age of eight, you know, Fliss would say say to me sometimes, I just want to talk to a grown-up. You know? And we need friends. We need people to chat with and have a coffee with. It's important. I, I, I don't want I to ride that dear woman, whoever she was, too hard. But at the same time, there is an important thing there. See, I walked around that, unencumbered by kids and, and that kind of pressure. And i tell you what I saw. I saw six cormorants. Unusual. Just started visiting the lake again. You know, some of them with their arms spread in the... A uh, fascinating thing. Two herons. I looked out for the usual visitor in this time of year. There's a part of the, of the lake where a, a, a kingfisher comes. Magnificent. I walked further along and there was a pool. The river's quite low at the moment. And there was a pool. And there was, must have been seven or eight trout in this pool. And I walked a little further on and I stopped and I waited and I stared at the water because two years ago I spotted a little colony of English crayfish there and I rang up the environment agency to say I'd seen this thing and they said, give us the references, give us the, because they're they're rare, they're an endangered species. You see, that's happening around us. So if you've got mums and dads, if you've got kids or grandparents, if you've got kids or if you've got nephews and nieces, Listen to them, because they may help you rediscover the wonder of creation. We're so busy, we're so taken up with other things. We need to rediscover the wonder of the creation that's left to us. Secondly, ask the Holy Spirit to make you more aware. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you more aware. Yesterday, Rich did a great job, by all accounts, that the Alpha Group and the team there were were speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit and praying for various Alpha people to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I remember when I received the the gift of the Holy Spirit in the the mid-70s, at that point, you know, it was an an absolutely life-changing experience for me. I'd gone up to a little um, revival center, it was called, up in North Allerton, probably still there, I don't know. But uh, I received prayer there and received the blessing of the Holy Spirit. It was just absolutely wonderful. Received the gift of tongues. All sorts of things happened. But I remember driving home from that place late that night. And it was pitch black. And all that could be seen was that which was lit up in the headlights. And a friend of mine had taken me up there. And I was just sat in the passenger seat. Just full of wonder and and just amazed at what had just happened. But something else I noticed. That everything kind of was... I don't know. Seemed more alive. How many of you seen the, 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 that film, The Matrix? You know, and Neo. You know, he starts ending up seeing all everything, and it's all sort of fizzling, and it's all shiny, and it's full of light. It was like that, and that stayed with me for about four days. We lived out in the country then, and I, it was like you know. I used to walk the dog down the bridle path outside our house, house uh, twice a day, and you know, often I'd be away in my thoughts. I'd, I couldn't even remember doing the walk, but. I was walking the dog, this old dog of ours called Caesar, you know, walking the dog down. And I'd be looking at just, and it's just like, whoa, it's like everything was popping with life. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you more aware of this wonderful gift that God has given us. He has placed us in a garden, and our destiny, our destination, is a garden city. Good news for those of you who live in Welland Garden City. Next time you're standing outside Poundland or Iceland, you can say, This is a taste of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Ask the Holy Spirit to sensitize you, to make you come alive. Thirdly, you know, much is made of this, reuse, reclaim, recycle. Yeah, Felicity and I have been recycling for quite some while, but you know, it's better to reuse rather than recycle. Do you know what the recycle stuff happens? It gets, it gets, it gets taken off to a great big sorting place, they sort it, they bale it, they put it in containers, and they ship it back to China. China is where your, you know, your empty milk, plastic milk bottles end up, and they, there they recycle it and it's remade. Well that's great, you know, but wow! And if, if you can't reclaim something, reuse something. You know, the last couple of years, I bored you with the details. Fliss and I, for, for personal reasons, we moved twice, and so on every move I've taken carloads of stuff to the dump, and I'm amazed at what we're throwing away. I'm amazed at what we're throwing away. Folks, you know, Reuse, you know, don't just chuck something away. Think how you can reuse it, you know. Is there someone you know who might benefit from it? Is, uh, if it's furniture, please don't come to us, to our Compassion Ministry. We don't do furniture. And the reason we don't do furniture is because Emmaus down the road does furniture. That's an international organization now. You know, let's reuse, let's reclaim, and let's recycle. And the other thing is, let's research. You know, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to be able to afford to, li- to live in St. Albans, there's an amazing raft of organizations. This is quite a hot spot, this city, for, for organizations that are into recycling and, and to environmental issues and all the rest of it. Do some research. I, I, I was, I've done a lot of research recently, been to a number of lectures and stuff like that. You know, there's even things in the local paper. I mean, a weird thing, uh, this week, some of you may have seen it in in the BBC news feed. Apparently, a lynx, you know, a cat, escaped from a zoo in Wales. Did anybody see this story, some of you? It was missing for five days before they noticed it. (laughs) Wow, how did that happen? Five days before they realized it had gone. Anyway, during this, once the news got out, the local farmers in Wales were absolutely up in arms and they just delivered this statement. They said, if we so much as see that thing, we are gonna shoot it. It is not gonna attack our sheep. So be warned we're serving notice, no excuses. If we see that lynx, we will shoot it. There's only one problem I have with that. Apparently there are 10 million sheep in Wales and one lynx. <laughs> I mean, what's he gonna do? But at the moment, you know, don't think of going to Wales. The heteros are bristling with 12-gun, sh- more shotguns, and if anything moves, it's. <laughs> oh, there's it a robin. Oh, never mind. <laughs> and there's another bit of craziness in all of this. Apparently, the farmers, and I'm not getting on down on farmers, this is just a state of who we are. The farmers are lobbying parliament to have a massive cull of deer because the, the deer are just, you know, possessing the land up there. And, of course, they're competing with other things. Now, the lynx was a natural Predator. And there are those who are talking about reinstating the lynx in Wales and other highland areas because it was part of the environment. We got rid of the lynx, and it's it's completely turned the local, you know, the, the, the ecology of the whole place upside down. Now, we've got deer everywhere. I mean, Felicia and I, as I say, we live out in the country out in Ellsborough. And when I drive back here at night, and isn't this the truth, darling, I am anxious about hitting a deer. How many of you have had a close shave with a deer on the road? One, look, look at this. I know people who've had the front of their car destroyed. I know somebody, Trevor Maher, who often sits on the front row, a pal of his, came to work one day with a great big red dot he's in the middle of his forehead. And Got a lot of funny comments. Somebody said, have you become a Hindu then? you know, And he said, don't ask. Apparently, he hit a deer. In fact, the car in front hit a deer. It came over the top of that car, came through his windscreen, and a bit of its antler went boom, like that. So he had this red dot in the middle of his forehead. You may well laugh, Sarah. <laughs> you see, this kind of craziness, we don't think... We haven't done the science. We remove a natural predator, and suddenly something else burgeons where there was a beautiful balance before. Do your own research. It is amazing what's going on out there. It's amazing what we can do and share it. Fourthly, review your own lifestyle. You know, don't just leave this place saying, yeah, I must get that recycling bin out the shed, you know. Start thinking about it. Start thinking about what you buy. Start thinking about what you're buying is from. Anybody see that little report this week about Cadbury's buying cocoa from illegal sources and what they're doing? And, and this is part of a whole other preach, really. But impoverished farmers are, are um, chopping down jungle to grow cocoa, which has not been licensed, to sell to Cadbury's. And Cadbury's are turning a blind eye and buying it. You can buy chocolate, and I'm a chocolate holic, I really am. You can buy chocolate. Aldi's do great chocolate. They do sell Cadbury's, so don't bother that. But they, they, they buy chocolate where the cocoa has been sourced from licensed places. There's it, it, a lifestyle thing. I mean, looking at my wife here, you know, she blessed me a few months ago by saying she wanted to change a car. Now she had a perfectly good car. But as we've looked into this, Fliss became cons- ever more anx- uh, concerned about the type of car she had. I'm not gonna say any more than that. You can do the research yourself. And uh, so she said, I want to change my car to something that's more environmentally friendly. And we, as I said when we did the phase you know, three, uh, final phase thing, we've not got a pot of money, so I said, well, if we sell it, we're going to have to buy something with the same money. And so it was a bit of a palaver, but that's what we did. It's a lifestyle choice. You know, we can live in a way that causes less damage to our society. And finally, you can plant a silver birch tree. And I just happen to have some silver birch trees here. When I ordered these, I thought I was getting, I think we got a picture, that. What I got was this. I've been told that these are dormant silver birches. We bought them from a regular official supplier. This is an eco-friendly compostable bag. I think it costs more than the silver birch did. Uh, and, And seriously, folks, can I encourage you to take one of these away with you? If you're fortunate enough to have a bit of garden, plant one of these. You know, if you live in a flat or an apartment or something like that. Gift one to your granny or your auntie or a friend who has a garden. Well, here's an idea for you live brave guys. You know, you could all get sort of donned up in in black one night and, you know, black your faces up, take 60 of these and, you know, do a raid on a roundabout and and, and plant 60 of them. Right. Quite a lot of fun, really. Plant 60 silver birches. This is a lasting legacy. This, twig, this this leafless wonder here is actually a way of, for us, as a community, planting 500 trees. That doesn't look much. We can plant 500 trees. And trees are wonderful things, as we all know. They absorb carbon dioxide, is it? and without oxygen. There was a report on the news feed this week that carbon dioxide levels are the highest they have ever been in spite of our best efforts. We need to plant more trees. You may want to sign up to the Woodland Trust. We signed up to them as well as to EcoChurch and we were hoping to partner with the Woodland Trust but unfortunately they, they couldn't manage a charity like us. So we can do our own thing. And can I just say, if you would care to take one of these away with you, we're happy for you to take one away free. Let not money be the issue. But if you could donate two pounds, that would help us. We tried to get them for free, but no, we, we have had to buy them. If you can donate two pounds, great. And if you're you know, wealthy and can donate more, well, then that will subsidize those who've had to take one free. But let's take these away and let's use them. And for me, and I'll finish on this thought as the band comes up, Felicity and I are gonna take one of these and we're gonna plant it in our front garden. And over the years, as this thing grows and develops, I'm wanting it to be a bit like those piles of stones that the Hebrews left at important points. They would remind them of covenants they'd made with God. They would remind them of God's deliverance. They would remind them of things in their history. And so in future years I hope to turn into my drive and see this silver birch as it slowly grows through its various shapes and it will remind me in that day yes, of a little bit of a legacy I've left behind or Felicity and I have left behind but it will also remind me that I've made an agreement with God to try and care for his great creation a little bit better. Amen. Amen. Let's just stand and pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you to you for your presence and thank you for uh, taking us on this journey and thank you for giving us something to think about and to reflect upon. And we pray that in the days to come, Lord God, we as a community will not just care for people well, but we will care for your creation well too. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.